to Marissa's Wicked Word Nosh, a place to chow down on topics relevant to writers of all kinds. Hello, and welcome to Marissa's Wicked Word Nosh. I'm Marissa, and this is a weekly podcast in which I talk about a wide variety of reading and writing-related topics and usually I do research and have an idea that I've had in mind for at least several days, if not weeks in some cases. This week that is not the case and I want to apologize in advance. I've had a very stressful week. I mentioned a few weeks ago that my beloved ten and a half year old dog Fern was diagnosed with diabetes. Well, last weekend she became blind. Uh, She's had cataracts for some time, but last weekend she wasn't able to see at all. It's been a pretty scary experience. Again, from what I've heard, it is not at all uncommon for dogs with diabetes to go blind, so it was something that I expected at some point. I just didn't expect it to happen so soon after we got the diabetes diagnosis. Now, one thing I've also learned is that blind dogs are actually, uh, I don't want to say they're common, but they're more common than I thought. Uh, Dogs have very strong senses of smell and hearing, and it turns out that blindness in dogs is something that they, they can learn to work around better than probably we as humans could. Uh, She's a very intelligent dog. She's already sniffing her way around. Um, She's going by what she's hearing to find her way around as well. But it's been, I'm not going to lie, it's been very difficult, even though I have faith that she's going to uh, adapt and um, just kick ass because that's what she does. Um, So... I haven't really had a lot of time to work on anything podcast related. I got to be honest, if I get any free time at all at the end of the day, I just want to sit down and watch a few episodes of Ghost Adventures because for some reason that makes me feel a lot better about things and about life. And I was actually considering um, taking an episode that I originally recorded for my Patreon that a lot of people did not hear and putting it on here. I did that a few weeks ago, but... I decided against doing that because I really want to give you information on this podcast that I've never talked about before, maybe, or haven't really talked about that much. And I want to be able to to give information to you if you're a, especially if you're a new writer and maybe you're not aware of all of the possibilities out there for you as far as maybe genres to consider, uh, different types of things that you can write. For example, I spoke about the novella recently. You may not have ever considered writing a novella. So I want to give you um, some ideas about maybe things you haven't considered. This week I'm going to talk about a recent experience that I had And I did find some articles, uh, if it's something that maybe you're working on your first novel or story, and you're wondering what comes next after I finish this draft, and I maybe I'm serious about publishing it, what should I do next? I recently had the opportunity to serve as a beta reader for somebody uh, that I know on Twitter. I'm not going to mention this writer's name because I don't know if she would like me talking about this yet, 
but uh, she's somebody that I have known through the Twitter writing community for quite some time. She has a finished copy of a manuscript and she asked me if I would like to be a beta reader. And I was honored that she asked me. And she sent me a copy of the manuscript via email. And it took me about two weeks to read every page of this novel. And I took copious notes. I did it in footnote form. But um, I, I pointed out things that I really liked. There was quite a bit that I really liked. There was quite a bit that I would have liked to have seen explained a little more. Maybe something wasn't clear to me. Or maybe I just felt that a little more information was needed. There were also some cases that I... At a certain point of the book, I grew close to several of the characters. Great writing can do that to you. Hopefully, if you're a reader, you know that. I really grew close to a few of these characters, and that maybe there was something that they did later on in the book that I didn't feel that that character would have done. So after I finished reading, it took me about two weeks to get through the whole thing, as I think I mentioned. Uh, in, in addition to the footnotes with all the notes, I, uh, in the email, I broke down um, the main points, um, the things that I really felt worked and could be expanded upon in later editions. So it was a great experience. It was the first time that I served as a beta reader. I definitely would be interested in being a beta reader for other writers in the future. And if I ever finish this novel that I'm working on now, uh, I definitely would like to have some beta readers because, as I mentioned before the pandemic, I belong to a writing group that I went to. Uh, I went to fairly regularly, and I read part of my manuscript in progress at nearly every meeting I went to. I think that is a writing group is a good opportunity if you're actually working on a manuscript and you would like writers to interact with as you go along, first of all, to keep each other motivated, but also to kind of give them frequent updates uh, as to what you're doing, what they think might work. You know, they have the opportunity maybe to get to know you, your characters, the way they speak, the way they act, that type of thing. I think that's a great experience. But there were also people that did not go to the writing group meetings every week. Maybe they would take a month or even longer than that between meetings and then they would show up they'd listen to you read maybe eight to ten minutes of your manuscript and they would have all these questions a lot of which maybe you answered at previous meetings that they didn't attend or maybe they didn't like that genre or something like that so again Belonging to a writing group had its benefits. I can't speak to all writing groups. Uh, I don't know if they all operate that way, but the one that I belong to, um, that's what happened there. I think belonging to a writing group is great while you're working on your work in progress. However, when you have a finished draft, I would say don't rely on what you may have gotten from writers at your writing group. Definitely at that point, when you have the finished draft, try to seek a beta reader. Um, because a beta reader can sit down with your novel or story or novella, 
if you want to write a novella, which I think you should, from page one. They can kind of evolve with your characters. They can get to know them. They can, um, I feel that they can be in a better position as a result, to be honest with you, when they get to the end of the book to give you thoughtful critiques on what worked, what didn't work, or what can work but maybe need a little more development. So like I said, I did find two articles that I'm going to include links to in the notes for this episode on beta readers. To give you a little more idea of what a beta reader is, you've heard the term beta before. Uh, that basically means test. So in other words, you have a first draft of a manuscript that you feel fairly confident you can turn into a full published novel at some point. But you're giving it to readers at this point as a test to find out what works and what doesn't. So that's basically where the term beta reader comes from. Should you ask people that you know well or maybe people that you don't know that well? That's a good question. I would have to say that if I were to look for a beta reader right now, which I'm not going to because I don't have a finished finish manuscript, but if I were to look for one right now, I would ask somebody that I know on, on Twitter from the Twitter writing community as the writer that contacted me did, rather than maybe somebody that I've known for several years. Because I feel that a reader that doesn't know me and my writing that well might be able to give me more honest criticism than somebody say that I'm friends with that even though they might feel they can be honest and impartial and tell me where there's room for improvement because they're my friend they might not be willing to do that you know or they might not realize that they're maybe they're a little more biased than they would like to admit so I would say if you do have friends that you feel can level with you and tell you maybe what doesn't work, what you can take out, that's fantastic, but there might be some friends who are afraid to do that. So I think my personal opinion is to go with somebody that maybe you don't know that well for that reason. Uh, I also think it's helpful to find beta readers that read the kind of thing that you write. One of the articles that I'm including a link to um, by Sarah Gribble called The Writer's Guide to Beta Readers, What is a Beta Reader? Sarah Gribble says it helps to find readers who are familiar with the genre that you're writing in. I think that's important because there were times at my writing group where people who were not familiar with the genre that I wrote in or maybe a genre that another writer wrote in, because they didn't read in that genre, they were willing to or they were too ready to rip apart anything that they didn't understand or anything that they weren't comfortable with. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's honest criticism. If you are not familiar with a genre or maybe you don't like it. For example, some people hate horror. I'm not one of those people. I love horror. But some people just hate horror. So they might hear or they might read a few pages of a horror novel and because they don't like horror, they might not be able to put their dislike of horror aside and give it an honest review. So definitely, if you can find beta readers who are familiar with that genre, 
that is the way to go. Also, you want people, uh, this is another thing that Sarah Gribble mentions, you want people who are going to be reliable. You want them to be able to return your manuscript within a certain time period. And if you're asking people to beta read for the first time, unfortunately, you don't know if that's going to be the case. Now, I'm the type that if you ask me to be a beta reader, I am going to know that you're probably on a deadline and you're probably want, going to want to know to have it, you're probably going to want to return it within a certain time. But you can't always be sure that everybody is going to be that reliable. So unfortunately, that is probably a risk that you're going to take as a beta reader. But if you do know people that seem like they can have the manuscript back within a workable period of time, that's fantastic. You want people who are going to be reliable uh, in that way. Also, people who are going to respect confidentiality. Again, I'm not mentioning the name of the writer that I did the beta reading for because she asked in her email, please respect confidentiality, and I am all about respecting confidentiality. So you want beta readers that you can trust in that sense too. Really, they're... Um, Writers are opening up their hearts to you when they're sending a first draft of a manuscript to you. And I don't think it's right to do anything that would take advantage of that. So definitely, you want to pick people who seem like they can be confidential. Again, it might be a process of trial and error and you, you can get burnt. But ideally, if the people you interact with seem that they can be trustworthy in that regard, definitely those are the people to pick to be beta readers. And I think it's also important that they just like to read in general, um, that they're willing to sit through a manuscript from start to finish. I think it's important to go through it with a fine tooth comb and maybe be willing to read a sentence a few times over. I did that because there were times when I was reading something and I felt that I felt that more development would be needed, but I wasn't sure exactly in what sense. So I had to sit and I had to read the sentence a few times. And I think you need to find people who are going to do that. What you need to realize, however, when you're at this stage with your manuscript and you're looking for beta readers is that a beta reader is not the same as a proofreader. This is something that uh, the article from the Readsy blog that I'm including a link to called What Are Beta Readers and How to Find Them makes clear. A beta reader is not an editor. I spoke a few weeks ago in this podcast about proofreading and copy editing. Those things are very important when you're looking to publish your manuscript and if you're looking for beta readers, you shouldn't expect that they're going to also proofread and copy edit your book. From my understanding, a lot of beta reading is unpaid. Proofreading and copy editing is something that people usually pay decent money for. They want copy editors and proofreaders to find errors, to correct them, to maybe remove uh, sentences or in some cases paragraphs or even chapters of your manuscript to move stuff around. 
beta readers are not doing that. Beta readers are looking for areas you can improve up upon, areas that you can develop more, um, maybe more development of characters, maybe more explanation of things. So yeah, I don't know how every writer works, obviously, but to me it seems logical that you write a copy of your manuscript, you have beta readers take a look at it to maybe alert you to certain issues or to give you some advice on what you can develop. Then you revise your manuscript. I don't know at this point whether you would want beta readers to uh, have another go at it after you have another finished draft. It seems to me that maybe having beta readers at one stage is enough. Once you take what they've given you and find a way to incorporate as much of you would like to include of what they gave you into your manuscript. I think once you have a finished revised draft, at that point that's when it's it's good to start looking for people who might be able to copy, edit, or proofread, or maybe you feel comfortable doing those things yourself. But I, I think I want to make clear, I, I don't think, I know, I want to make clear, if you're looking for a beta reader, don't think that they're also going to proofread and copy edit for you. That is something else entirely, and I think that that's something you should look at later on down the road. I am going to say that at the beta reading stage, I don't think things like grammar or especially spelling are as important because at that point you're really looking to get your ideas down in a way that works, in a way that makes sense to your readers, and at that point you really shouldn't be concerned that concerned about spelling because basically that can hold you back. If you're, I, I think I've said this before, but if you're in the first draft of your manuscript and you're really that concerned about spelling and editing, that can slow you down to the point that you never finish. So yeah, so get your first draft and then get a beta reader, think about what the beta reader tells you, incorporate whatever the beta reader gave you that is helpful into your revised draft, then go out and look for proofreaders and copy editors if you don't want to do them yourself. Again, doing it yourself is an option, something to consider. But basically what I'm doing is differentiating between beta readers and copy editors. So yeah, I think uh, finding beta readers after you have a completed first draft of a novel, a novella, a nonfiction book, I think that's fantastic. Having only done this once so far, I don't know of all the ways to find beta readers. If you belong to a writer's group and there's somebody in that group that you have a relationship with, maybe you want to ask them. But if you don't belong to a writer's group, you can do what this writer did and contact me through the Twitter writing community. That is a fantastic resource for possible beta readers. And there might be more ways. So if you have worked as a beta reader or if you've found beta readers to look at uh, the first draft of your book and there's more, I'm sure there's more that I haven't gone over that I should know about, please let me know. Email me at marissadellefarfalle at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter if you don't already at at marissad13 and on Instagram at www.instagram.com slash marissadf13. 
I also have a buy me a coffee page, so if you would like to buy me a coffee, I'll give you a shout out on an upcoming episode to express my gratitude. You can check out my buy me a coffee page at www.buymeacoffee.com slash marissadf13. And finally, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as it'll help a lot more people find out about this show. Until next time, thank you so much for listening, for all your support and feedback on social media. It really, really makes me feel good to know that you're getting something out of this show. And I do apologize again for not having an episode planned out and research and things like that. Uh, It's been a really difficult week, but I am looking forward to getting back into research mode next week and giving you a more carefully put together episode. But I do hope you got something out of this one. Please let me know what you think. And until next week, thanks again so much for listening. Take good care of yourselves and peace out. This podcast is written and produced by Marissa Dele Farfalle and brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Learn more at www.anchor.fm.